Why, hello there. You're listening to the Aesthetic Vibes podcast, and I'm your host, Amy. This is the podcast where we only put out aesthetic vibes. There are too many bad vibes in the universe, so this podcast is dedicated to turning that around and spreading all the positivity. This podcast will focus on all types of relevant and irrelevant topics, sometimes the deep and meaningful, and other times completely meaningless. But one thing's for sure, you will walk away with a really aesthetic vibe. And I hope I can empower you to build a really aesthetic life. This week, we'll be talking about selling your soul to the corporate world. And I'll let you know a few things that I can't live without. Okay, with that being said, let's go. It starts out as an amazing opportunity, great career progression. You start in the role. There's a lot of work. You see the level of responsibility you've been given. It's an honour. You decide to do a few extra hours each week. It really helped with getting your job done well. You're given more responsibility once you prove yourself and you again increase your working hours because you want to make a good impression. You're then promoted. To get the job done, eh, you do a few more hours. The cycle continues to repeat as you climb the corporate ladder. With the increase in hours, you see your work-life balance is impacted. The lines become blurred between home time and work time. I recall several years back, I was leading a technology implementation piece in the corporate organisation I was working for. Um, I was dealing with stakeholders in four different countries. Due to this, I needed to be available at any time to take calls or reply to emails. I did exactly this. Didn't really question it, just got on with the job. I used to start work at 7am. That's a personal choice. Really, it was because I had so much work to do. I would leave the office between 4 and 5 p.m. and be available for emails, conference calls, right up until bedtime, which is very challenging when you're studying a law degree. Slowly over time, you see this ongoing creep of your work into your life. The lines become so blurred that you really can't see the difference between the two. Right before COVID hit, I took a promotion. I recall being in the office and we were told that effective tomorrow, we'll be working from home until further notice. All of a sudden, my home became my work location as well. So instead of the daily commute, I walked from the bedroom to my workstation. I tried to maintain the same working hours, but soon I was able to see that I'd be able to work even more hours because there's no daily commute. During the initial COVID-19 period, it was clear to me that there were two different types of people dealing with work-life balance. I recall a colleague of mine, he was finishing up at the organisation I was working at and he was moving into um, a different area with a different organisation. 
So I was tasked with picking up the outstanding work that he was uh, leaving behind. So I met with him on several occasions. Um, The very first meeting, I realized that the work had been dormant for some time. Nothing had progressed in about three months. When I questioned this, he told me since COVID had hit and he was working from home, he'd actually stopped working. And instead, he was working on his motorcycle the entire time during the workday. This was a really big problem for me because now the dormant work was my problem. I even recall my manager at the time telling me, we can't do anything about what this person has done. It's your problem. Fix it. And I want it fixed today. Very, very difficult with a large scale implementation of a project that needed progressive work day on day, week on week that had been dormant for some time. Ideally, doing three months worth of work in one day doesn't really make a lot of sense. Even though the individual is leaving the organisation, the issue really should have been addressed um, and not just farmed out to someone else. The, the tough conversation should have been had and this individual should have understood that this is really not appropriate. You're paid a salary and off the back of that, there's an expectation that you get your job done. So the issue with this ongoing slow progression of work into life is that it's so gradual that it becomes normal. You become used to doing excessive hours. The more you climb up the corporate ladder and the more you realise your work and life are no longer distinct, but they're one. With every promotion, you receive more remuneration. You see your remuneration increasing and you need to provide value for money to the organisation. The challenging thing is you don't see this gradual increase of your work-life balance and it's next to impossible to scale it back. The organisation and your line manager sees the work that you do and scaling back in their eyes might mean that you might not be able to complete your work to the same level of quality. I did try scaling back. Very difficult. Uh, You often get some uh, very unusual comments like, where were you this morning? Running late, are we? Geez, you're leaving early. Subtle comments, (laughs) very subtle, not subtle at all. And they become very frustrating. The even more alarming thing for me was I, I didn't even see that I'd sold my soul until I actually got out of the environment. It took me completely stopping corporate work to see how crazy my work schedule was. Looking back now, I can see how insanely crazy the expectations were too. Only reiterating to me that some organizations do take a pound of flesh. So I have, for the last 15 years, been working in a corporate environment. The entire time I have been studying, I've studied four degrees, one of which was a PhD, a law degree, business degrees, an MBA, uh, on top of that, working full-time hours and these extended hours that I've described in this podcast Uh, In addition, writing books, uh, extracurriculars like mooting, uh, reviewing PhD papers, uh, being a conference paper reviewer, uh, you name it. So for me, I'm taking this moment of pause right now in my life because I'm completely burnt out and exhausted. And I can see that work 
for the organization I was working at was a huge contributing factor. The rest of it was my choice. The rest of it was what I wanted to do with my available time. I get that work is work. You don't have to convince me otherwise. Work is work. I get that. It's not named fun. (laughs) It's named work. But you shouldn't have to sell your soul to work in a corporate environment to earn a decent level of remuneration. And you shouldn't be completely miserable with what you do. And this was the case for me. So not only did I not see I'd sold my soul, I also had no idea that I was completely miserable each day. I thought that that was the norm. I thought, hey, everybody goes to work and hates it. (laughs) Isn't that normal? Um, No, actually, it's not. It's not. (laughs) To be miserable at an organization, and I was at the last one for 10 years, and I was absolutely miserable. I mean, some of the work was great, some of the people were great, but at the end of the day, was it stimulating? No, no, not all the time. Was it exciting? Could have been, rarely, occasionally. But ideally, it was a job. When I reflect, (laughs) what are the red flags that you're selling your soul? I think the biggest standout is you don't enjoy what you're doing. The second is you may be compromising your authentic self. The third is you really have no outside life. It all revolves around work. The next one is you feel burnt out. Followed by you are miserable. Or you just live for the weekend and the rest of the week's torture. Which I must say, that was me. That was 100% me. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I was miserable. Beginning of the week, terrible. Hated life. And then Thursday, Friday, all of a sudden, everything was okay. (laughs) On the up and up. So... How do I claim my life back? For me, it took reflection and that moment of pause. I decided I'm going to take my foot off the accelerator. I'm going to stop everything. And for the most part, I have. I've no longer got a nine to five, which is fantastic. I am teaching. So I teach um, MBA students at a university. I'm still doing academic work and I'm obviously working on my podcast. But outside of that, it's a moment of pause for me because I'm burnt out. Some of the difficult questions I had to ask myself as I was getting to that point of realisation around, you know what, something's got to give. I needed to ask myself some questions and I'm going to share with you what some of those questions were. The first was, do I enjoy what I'm doing? The answer for me was no. Is it worth it? The answer again was no. Am I being someone else when I'm in the workplace? The answer was yes. Ideally, I was myself, but I was a more (laughs) savage, uh, highly focused workhorse. I really didn't take any time to let anybody know me. And I kept a lot of that private. The next one I asked myself was, do you have an outside life? 
And when I stripped it all away, outside of work, I had all these additional commitments. I had to stop and look at all of my external commitments and say, have you ever stopped? And the answer was no. I had no outside life. My life was work and it has been for as long as I can remember. Probably the toughest question, are you happy? My answer was sometimes, sometimes I am. It depends, it depends on what I'm doing. And when I asked myself, how do I genuinely feel? A lot of my emotions were stressed, overworked, really anxious, worried, always looking over my shoulder, always concerned I was going to mess up, always concerned I would do something wrong. And that item of wrong would stick around and haunt me. Because it does in a corporate world. You make a mistake, it will haunt you. You can do everything possible to fix the mistake, but it's bound to be brought up at your six-month performance review and the 12-month. So you make a mistake, it hangs around for 12 months until you start the next year. (laughs) Then when you make another mistake, (laughs) the cycle repeats itself. If you can also reflect on the questions that I've asked, what are your answers? Have you answered them in a similar fashion to me? This might be your sign that something needs to change. I know that finding a new job is a process and extremely difficult. The interview process itself, before we even go there, let's just rewind. Writing a resume, getting the resume done to the right level with the right level of detail and information, then applying and doing selection criteria responses, online testing, which a lot of places have nowadays. Uh, Sometimes they do personality profiling. Then after you've applied, you're obviously waiting for feedback. If that's successful, first round interviews, second round. I interviewed through five rounds for my corporate role that I was in for 10 years. Five rounds of interviews. It was insane. I did two with the recruitment agency where I was screened twice and then three with the organization. One with my line manager, one, the second one after that was with an executive panel and then the third was with the general manager of the team. It's a process. I get that. And for some people, they can't afford to leave their job that they're currently in and they're worried that they might not find something similar. But I want to challenge that thinking. I want to challenge you to claim back your life. If this is you and you fall into the same category as me and you've sold your soul, I want you to claim your life back. Claim back your happiness. Several quotes that have always stayed with me when it comes to work. So the first is, you spend too much time at work to be unhappy. And you do, right? If we're spending anywhere from 38 hours to 60 plus hours a week there, you can't be unhappy doing it, right? You're going to be miserable. You're going to be me. (laughs) You're going to be me, miserable. The other one that's kind of stuck with me is you work to live, not live to work. That always makes me kind of stop and go, okay, hang on. What am I doing here? (laughs) What am I actually doing here? And the last one is, you know, when you're on your deathbed, which is completely morbid, And I'm sure everyone's heard this one. But when you're on your deathbed, you won't say, 
I wish I worked more or I wish I worked harder. Chances are you're not going to say that. I really wish someone had told me to stop and take a look at the life I was living. I wish someone had told me that you shouldn't hate work. I wish someone had told me to stop and smell the roses. I wish someone had told me to take back my peace. I wish someone had told me life passes way too fast and you need to take that pause. So this is your sign. And this is my challenge. Take back your life. Make positive changes to really build the most aesthetic life possible. We only get one go. You want to start a small business? Do it. You want to change industries? Do it. You want to study a degree and take a totally different path, but maybe you're at a point in your life where you feel like you're too old. You're not too old. Never too old to study, which is why I love teaching because it's, I have such a diverse group of students in every single cohort, all different ages, all different walks of life. You're never too old to start. The grass can be greener on the other side. Take my word for it. As with every single podcast, we'll be ending with a silly segment. I think that's what I'm going to call it, a silly segment. (laughs) So I've realized you don't know a lot about me. So let's use these silly segments for me to share a little bit of information and paint a little bit of a picture about who I am. I'm going to share the six things I can't live without. To be fair, it's a long list. Am I high maintenance? I'm going to say no, but I feel like Everybody else would say yes. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to just share a few items. I mean, I could be here all day. So the first is cherry tomatoes. Bit of an odd one, but they're my favorite food on the planet. I could eat them for every single meal. As a matter of fact, I made bruschetta this morning with cherry tomatoes and a boccaccini and balsamic glaze and it was delicious the second one is australian pawpaw cream or ointment for anyone who's outside of australia if you can get your hands on this stuff it's liquid gold it's like a thick ointment but it's got 101 uses you can use it for just about anything um i use it as like a um like a lip mask thing for when my lips get super dry and i i carry like one with me everywhere For those in Australia, I think you can even get them at Coles and Woolworths now. Um, I think they're only a few dollars too, but absolutely gold. So my next one is an eye mask. Okay, so hear me out. I sleep with an eye mask every night. Um, Just a fabric one, nothing special, just a fabric eye mask. I've always slept with an eye mask my entire life. If I don't have my eye mask on, I can't sleep. And I take them everywhere I go. So if there's a chance that I'll be sleeping somewhere, 
uh, on a plane, I don't know, anywhere, someone else's house, which doesn't happen, because um, let's be fair, we are homebody creature of habit type people. Point is, eye masks every night. At the moment, I have one. I don't know if this is super nerdy, but I have an eye mask that's uh, like a thick headband and it's got flat speakers in it. So I can actually listen to, I really, really like ASMR. So I listen to that to fall asleep too. So it's a multi-purpose eye mask and I'm in love with it. I got it off Amazon. It's incredible. Could make me a little extra reflecting on that comment. Yeah, I'm probably a little extra. The next item is my uniform. (laughs) I call it my uniform. Every day oversized t-shirts and hoodies that's my uniform I wear tights from Jakuba best tights same type same pair I've got like 15 sets of them oversized t-shirts usually black but sometimes I have colorful ones I've got one on at the moment that says happier on it so it's quite a warm and fuzzy feeling and it's a bright yellow um, and hoodies I've got 50,000 hoodies in every color you could possibly imagine some branded some unbranded um oversized t-shirts hoodies for the win my next item's a little bit practical my glasses I am blind I can't see anything I literally can't see anything I think I mentioned last podcast I wear multifocals because I can't see long or short distance I have prescription sunglasses as well So if I don't wear my glasses, I can't see anything. I am blind. So it's a little bit more of a practical thing. And lucky last is pasta. I love pasta. And if you give me pasta with cherry tomatoes, won me over. Completely won me over. I love pasta. I love anything that's the Italian cuisine delicious breads pastas risottos pizzas all of my favorite stuff one of my most favorite things something I can't live without in fact is scary and spooky things I I love horror movies I love true crime I love ghost stories it's something that is my most favorite thing to consume myself in With that in mind, next week, we're going to talk about something spooky and scary. And that is some of the greatest internet horror stories and myths, coupled with my most ridiculous fears. So in the meantime, you can reach me on my socials. Come by Instagram at the Aesthetic Vibes Pod or drop me an email at aestheticsvibepodcast at outlook.com. I really look forward to seeing you next week. And in the meantime, hanging out on social media. Until next time, bye.